this is Mike Schleibon from Darkest Hour, and you are listening to Epitome of Stupidity. up ladies and gentlemen hello welcome to the nice even number today yeah. episode 80 of epitome of stupidity i am brian i am clint uh unfortunately we'll be here the whole show dude, i yeah. got sick dude it's that one it's one of those shows where we're here the whole time all right well i guess if we're gonna be here we might as well enjoy some tunes from fucking darkest hour ever heard of them i fucking have They've only put out a million albums in the background is their song, Those Who Survive, off the 2017 album, Godless Prophets and the Migrant Flora. No, I don't know what it's about, but I'm hoping by the end of this show, we all will. Hint, hint. It is a good song. I like it. There are guitars. There is a guy that does the vocals, and he is loud and screamy about it. And um, I also like the bass and drums, and all of it is good. Yay. Hi, Brian. Okay. <laughs> But before all the fun, there is dumb shit to talk about. Like what Clint is listening to. What am I? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I've got a list here. Yeah. Uh, I've <laughs> been listening to a lot of Mastodon. I've, I've That Medium Rarities album has finally truly caught my fucking ear. I am in love with those instrumental tracks and the covers. The, uh, the cover of A Commotion, I just cannot get a fuck enough of to the point that I've even gone back and started listening to the original uh, by... A band woman lady called Feist. I'm not sure, but it's also really cool, but not Mastodonish. Anywho, did you watch their video, Turning 21? I did. <laughs> we would like a beer. A beer. <laughs> be I might get that. Uh, do you see that they're re releasing the uh, It's Okay to Make Mistakes Chef Troy RD shirt? <laughs> no. I might, I might get me one of those. I've, I, I got to make the decision like by the end of the day today, though. Um, Anyways, I've also listened to a lot of Horndole. Mm. Saren, obviously Gojira put out something new, so I'm going to listen to that. And, uh, you know, already mentioned, but maybe even a little bit of Darkest Hour. How about you, Brian? Well, you stole my Mastodon Thunder, but I was just listening to The Hunter, so not the new one. Uh, I listened to that one, too. Gojira, uh, more Silosis, because it's... Amazing. Yes. And uh, let's see what else is on your list that you stole from me. <laughs> that's all. That's it. That, uh, 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 that's I did listen to, I listened to some Seven Dust this week, too, the uh, first album while I was working out. That was good. Never. Uh, you listened to that? We both listened to that uh, Hair Carry for the Sky uh, yeah, album. Yeah, the new that, hair. The that's new fucking hair. nine years long. It's, <laughs> it nine, it's like 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking crazy. If you like blast beats going into atmospheric stuff, you're going to love that. I mean, when's the last time we've talked about an album on the show that was that long? Everyone's doing 50 minutes at max. That's even a long album, I think. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, uh, again, steal your thunder here and say that I would bet that Huntsman album is 
can last her probably that long. Big yeah. old double album. Well, thing. of course, you know the uh, Tool and and Perfect Circle albums are that long. But uh, yeah, everyone else is is sticking to the forty to fifty minute. I think. And if uh, lucky, good. Continue to do that, please. <laughs> um, if you didn't know, we have friends that make mead at the Brimminghorn Meadery. If you order from them online. They will send their delicious mead to you. And if you use the code EPITOMEAD, E-P-I-T-O-M-E-A-D, they will give you a discount because they are awesome and their mead is awesome and you should buy it and drink it. It's delicious. The end. I'm tired. All right, so let's get let's wake up here a little bit. Let's do that. Let's get metal. Let's get metal. What do you want to... We we've decided to change the show a little bit, so we've got a couple extra minutes either on the front or in the back. Where where you wanna Well you know that we have to keep this show under an hour, so that's the plan, it, yeah. We can call it the darkest hour of your day. That's why we're here. All right. Call him up. Call him up. All right. Well, we're gonna start introducing people because that's a good idea. Yeah. It's the second one Brian's ever had. Yeah. Um Doing this podcast does not count on that list. Go, give a stab at his name there, Clint. Go ahead. All right. I'm going with Shieldbaum. Mike Shieldbaum of Darkest Hour. Man, I had a whole Shieldbaum? That's what you got out of I'm going. I had a month and a half to Schleibaum. figure this out. Schleibaum. So, okay, fine. We're going to find out. One of the founding members of Darkest Hour who have been around for, I believe, like 25 years now. Uh, fucking riff machine and guitarist extraordinaire. Brian's going to hit some imaginary numbers. I'm going to make a fake ring noise, and on the other side, we should be talking to Mr. Mike. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Boop, 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 bomb. Ring. And he answered. <laughs> on the horn with us today is Mike, and now he's going to pronounce his last name because we've already screwed it up. Hey, it's Mike Schleibom <laughs> from the band Darkest Hour. <laughs> I just go as Mike from Darkest Hour. Okay. Okay. That's, that, that works for us. We just had to get the clarification there. Mike? Yeah. How the hell are you doing this Sunday morning, and what have you been listening to here lately? Oh, well, uh, I'm doing as good as I can do. You know what I mean? I'm grateful to be able to be able to talk to you guys about my band in the middle of all the craziness that's happening in the world. But um, I am uh, call, or I'm speaking to you from the old Darkest Hour headquarters, Rift Dojo here, Rift Dojo. Uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. And lately, I have been listening to... Two very strange things. I've been listening to the band Crocus. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're an awesome rock and roll band from the uh, late 70s, early 80s. That sounds a lot like ACDC. And uh, I've also been listening to a lot of Dwayne Eddy surf rock, instrumental surf rock. I like to listen to that. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I do listen to plenty of death metal. Man, that new Last Carcass album. Is just constantly on rotation over here. So good. But uh, I like to listen to all types of things. I've also been listening to audiobooks. I'm really into audiobooks. Um, and so got a couple cool audiobooks I've been listening to. This one called The Obstacle is the Way. I encourage everybody to check out. It's a pretty cool philosophy book. And uh, yeah, man, just trying to keep the brain busy so I can get out there uh, on them stages. Right. You know? Everybody looking forward to that coming back. Uh, in the meantime, you guys have the uh, the live in lockdown coming up, right? That, that's already been recorded, but the full release is coming up. You want to tell us a little bit more about that since you can't hit stages near us so that we can see you? Well, uh, rewind to 
2020, and we put together a live stream concert, our first one ever, to benefit our favorite local venue, the Black Cat, here in Washington, D.C. And it was also to celebrate our 25th anniversary because we had had a big concert planned that got canceled, basically. And uh, the live stream, although it was weird to adjust to, actually came out really good. I mean, it really gave us the chance to record a live concert in a situation where it didn't take a lot of work to make it sound like really, really good. <laughs> so uh, the interesting thing about the concert was it was your typical Darkest Hour set list. So you have songs that span our 25 year career now all recorded, performed slightly similar in the same production. And it just felt like, oh, this is really special. And after the live concert uh, streamed, we raised over seven grand for the Black Cat and a few other venues all around the world. And uh, we did a restream of it just because people wanted to see so much. And then after that, we realized uh, we had to give it to uh, the world via our Patreon. So we basically bundled the live stream into a three-part release, which is a audio record, um, a video record. So basically the, the live stream and video download form. And then also we were going to be pressing this concert on limited color vinyl as well. And just sort of like it's it's a greatest hit record almost. Nice. That's fucking you know? awesome, man. What's the uh what are the release windows for these? Well, right now, if you subscribe to our Patreon, I'm talking about right now, uh February twenty twenty one, you will get the live audio uh download code right away. And on March first, we will be giving away the uh, video code. Um, so if you're hearing this a little bit later. March 1st is when you can also get the audio and the video and then hopefully delivered in April is the vinyl. But, you know, pandemics making things uh, take, take occasionally take a little bit longer. So if the vinyl doesn't hit until May, you're going to want to be subscribed because the vinyl is limited to 500, which means it's almost sold out. So, right. You know, I'm assuming. So the anyway, it's happening now <laughs> and all right of it's now. happening on our Patreon. And uh, we're not planning on putting this up on Spotify. Uh, there's plenty of our records on Spotify. Clint's we're not disappointed. Putting this face. All up on YouTube. <laughs> there's plenty of content of us there. You know, we are now controlling what we put out for the highest quality, and you really can only get it from us, the band. You know, DC DIY style. Nice. What's uh, I assume that there's no tricks in finding the Patreon page, but just to have it all in one place here, where can we find the Patreon? Oh, the Patreon page is patreon.com slash darkest hour and uh, official darkest hour. I'm sorry. And uh, you can basically go on there and subscribe. There's two tiers for $9.99 and $12.99. And let me just explain to people, we are a band, not a Patreon. And if you don't know what a Patreon is, it's a monthly subscription service where we just you know, take one charge every month for $12.99 and we make a whole bunch of awesome limited darkest hour content like we're doing and we basically were funding album 10 and we've been on 11 different record labels and put out a ton of different albums crowdfunded our last album so we're just we've been all over the place but this is what we're doing now and it's actually because of the pandemic been really rewarding because we've actually been able to totally connect with people in a way we never could over all those other avenues that we tried Hell yeah. You gave us a couple good uh, little nuggets there as well as uh, a way to, I, 
I guess before we get away from the Patreon, can we get an idea of what else can be found there? What other kind of content? Oh, well, dude, first of all, <laughs> we have hard drives of songs, you know, demos, different versions of stuff that have existed. So, like, if you love Undoing Ruin, if you love Sadist Nation, if you love Mark the Judas, uh, or if you're just getting into the band even, we've been giving away unreleased songs, uh, demos, uh, music people have never heard or maybe that were lost to the world. Every month we give away something new. Um, so the fans have had a lot of fun hearing like the extra songs from the albums that never made it and stuff like that. Extra guitar solo yeah. uh, parts. And then on top of that, we've also got, we've, you know, toured the world for 25 years and there's a ton of video content that we can't release like via YouTube or social media because of the way the mods operate and how everything is just sort of uh, a pigeonhole based on the era and whoever, whatever label had the rights where. But we've got, you know, files and files and hard drives full of live concerts and crazy video, different rock stars guesting with us and stuff that we don't throw up on social media that we're going to put up there. We do a video or two every month. Uh, the other day, yesterday, we just hosted a Zoom Q&A with our lead singer and a whole bunch of aspiring singers on the Patreon. And we let them all fire questions at John, which is hilarious because he doesn't normally do that. <laughs> and uh, that was really cool and special. We, and we, we recorded that. We're going to let our Patreon see that. Um, you know, we're sort of uh, throwing everything at it in a sense that we're letting the Patreons sort of dictate what they want to see. And right now we've got like almost 350 of them. So it's, it's kind of nice to kind of get an idea of what kind of stuff do people want. Because, you know, as a guitar player, it's, I, didn't, I don't realize how interesting it is for people to just like get a little quick guitar lesson of a riff. Yes. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily need to see everything. They just want to interact for a minute. Or for John, just to be able to ask the singer of this band, like, how do you do that? You know, like, you never would really get to be able to do that at a show right. in, any, in any normal way. So uh, we've just really been experimenting, and those are just some of the things that we've been giving out on top of the limited physical items, which, by the way, we've given out already. A seven-inch, two vinyl records. And three different wall flags, like four by three foot wall flags. Hot damn. T-shirt, limited T-shirt we gave everybody one month. And uh, we still have plans to maybe do some like soft pants, pajama pants. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's other records. And basically we're building our infrastructure towards, are we going to put out brand new music via this platform o only? Or are we going to do this in license with a label? Or are we going to do limited stuff here or we're going to do everything just first year but this avenue is building towards something you know where it's going to involve be involving album 10 we're just not 100 percent sure what because now we're trying to stay a little fluid and uh you know be able to change with the times because clearly everything's not so stable right, right. Now. yeah that's the old uh modern problems call for modern modern solutions and I, i'd say you guys fucking nailed that utilizing for sure right uh but you've uh you've mentioned twice there a little nugget that i'm sure everybody wants to go a little bit further with in album number 10 how far along are we in this and what can we look forward to mike 
Well, first of all, I want to preface this with, you know, albums and music. It's not just like making a t-shirt or making a, a hamburger and selling it to you. Okay, it's got to be magic. It's got to feel like magic. And album 10, to stack up against all of these other albums, needs to feel like as good to us as it did when the other ones did when we did them. Now, those other albums, every album up to date, I will tell you, there was a sense of urgency because we were existing in a world that this sort of album cycle thing existed, you know? And so that level of urgency colored the records in a certain way. Here we are now, 2021, and you as an artist have to ask yourself, like, does the world need a 10th Darkest Hour album at all? Yes. Does the world, <laughs> and if it, okay, if it does, <laughs> does it just need to be like whatever the fuck we write and put it out there? Because we could flood the market with Darkest Hour song, songs every month. But then, you start to feel like special attachment to all the albums you've made. And you're like, well, I want the 10th album to feel better than everyone to me, to feel connected to everyone to me. So I also want it to have impact. Like, what does it have to say in the modern world? So like, I could have given you a short answer, which was, man, if the pandemic hadn't hit, the album would be done. But the long answer is, it's not magic yet because we need to be able to get into a room as a band and play every song on the fucking album all the way through, note for note, like it's at a concert and know is it good. Some other bands might be able to, to write everything on the computer, pass it around on email, and then go, okay, track it remotely, put it together, you know, etc. Now, some other bands might actually live next door to each other and be able to get together physically, but we also don't live geographically next to each other. So until there is a way, which there will be sooner than later, for all of us to get together and really have that chemistry happen again so that we make sure that the album fits with everything in a way that it can be album 10, then we're going to have to continue the current course, which is writing songs. So in one positive uh, outcome of this is we will have written a lot more material than is normal and we will be able to, for us anyway, and we will be able to actually craft the record exactly how we want it to be. So when we put the record out, which is coming soon, whenever it feels right, it's going to be an amazing album just like everyone and we might even be able to say it's our best one and there will also be a ton of other material that will exist and now we have a new avenue to share some of this other music which is the extra songs the extra things that are happening and that is patreon so uh album 10 is coming i don't know if i can tell you it's going to come out this year but i do know we hope to release brand new music before the end of the year but uh we have so much other stuff happening that we're releasing and doing on top of working on the music. It's just got to all feel right, you know? And I don't think anyone who's a fan of the band is necessarily uh, uh, confused by this because if, you if you're watching what we're doing, we're clearly doing a lot of things at once. Right, as is needed you know, nowadays. Um, I, I love the, uh, 
the buildup there, though, about Album 10, because I actually have written here the most recent release, Godless Prophets and The Migrant Flora. Uh, what's it like to be nine albums in and still be able to make albums that contend with anything, anything in your catalog? And you kind of answered that in describing how you're going about Album 10. Yeah, it's different. I don't know if a lot of modern bands like approach this because it's so easy to just drop it. But we want to be able to play the entire album before we record it. And I just don't think people understand the way a lot of modern albums are made are in the studio. Uh, things things change. You want to leave room for things to be organic. But we want to be able to know the identity of every song we have the way to demo record produce anything out of the wazoo here out of all the band members we know how to do all that each one of us but it's more about once we have the material listing a group of people that we make sure something's epically awesome because uh, the problem with having nine albums is you have the experience of making those so you're what you're driven to make on album 10 might not make sense to a lot of people who are outside that bubble but uh, it won't matter. None of it will matter because once the album comes out, all the waiting won't matter if it's as good as we want it to be. You know? Hell yeah! That uh, that that you know, it, it's worth the wait already. I reckon. Um, I I do I do want to ask before we move away from Godless Prophets. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about how crowdfunding came up for that, and I've got to ask what the hell's the story behind the title. Oh, okay. Well, those are two good questions. Uh, crowdfunding was the first question, right? Yes. Um, well, okay, so 11 different record labels put out a bunch of different um, styles of records. You know, the five on Victory were kind of, I don't want to say similar, but uh, they were going in a direction. And then the Human Romance comes along. It's on E1 Records, and it's a little bit more mainstream. And then we shift over to Sumerian records. You get the self-titled record. You get the change of our rhythm section. And it's like, what the hell fucking happened? Sumerian goes to radio. Darkest Hour goes on the Monster Energy Drink Mayhem Festival tour. And then uh, after that, it's like we've had every label uh, experience you could have. We've been lucky enough to have every amount of a dollar that could be thrown at a melodic death metal band at our size thrown at us. And we're sick of dealing with these labels. We're sick of having people uh, have to be involved in a way that colors the music. Because outside of this, if you don't understand, when record labels give you money to make records, even if they tell you, oh, you're going to be in control of everything, you're not in control of everything. Because you took their money. And money is control, right. you know? And so we needed to figure out how do we have control? Well, is it throw everything on a fucking credit card? And unfortunately, we can't do that because that's how the touring side of the van works. That's how the merchandising side of the van works. Like, we have credit cards like any other business, and we buy merchandise, we make it, then we sell it to you, and then we pay it off, and we pay ourselves with left, like any other business. But making a record's harder. Because if you just charge it up on a credit card, you can go into an endless black hole and you're going to be charged interest, which is going to mean that money's going to start keeping charging you money. And so this album you're creating is going to keep costing you money and it's, it's, a, it's a black hole. So that wasn't a solution. 
So the crowdfunding thing was introduced to us by our former manager. We thought he was crazy, but we embraced the fact that we didn't have any other options to be able to do whatever we wanted. So we went on the internet and I myself, uh, on top of, with, with the band's help, but myself, in, I will say with confidence, went into the dark hole of doing a crowdfunding and it was fun, but it was a shitload of work. And we got, we raised almost 80 grand. With that, we were able to hire Kurt Ballou over at God City Studios, the guitar mastermind behind the band Converge and a longtime friend and person we respected to make an album that we wanted to make. That sort of was an answer to the last album, which was sort of a album that we wanted to make that had a lot of other outside influence, you know? And so... Kurt was great because we respect him, but he also, he doesn't have anything to gain by getting into the power circle of Darkest Hours. So he's sort of like a referee who stands on the sideline like, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into this argument until, until we all can't sh- stop yelling at each other. And we look at him and go, dude, what do we do? <laughs> Solve it. You know? And, and uh, he did a great job of that. What's that? I was just saying he, he has to come in every now and then and solve it. No, he didn't. He hated solving problems. He would. He was this guy that would just reflect another question back at us. And I appreciate that on some level he respected us to the point where uh, he knew how important the record was to us. And I don't think he wanted to have to be the person in charge of making the decision. I think he felt like his role was to do the one thing that none of the other producers had done, which was to get the fuck out the way. In fact, when we went to write in the credits produced by Kurt Ballou, he's like, it should say produced by Darkest Hour and Kurt Ballou. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and he's like, it, and he's like, okay, it could say by, produced by Kurt Ballou and Darkest Hour. And I'm like, well, that's better because your name's first, but like, you did your job. You know, I mean, you produced it by staying out of the way most of the time. <laughs> but he also, when when the chips were down and it was time to add something special, let me tell you, the first song on the record, Knife in the Safe Room, we thought this song was badass. I mean, that's why it's the first song. It comes in, it hits you in the face. We were like, this shit is on point. There's no way it can get any better. And if you're familiar with the song, you'll notice there's like a big breakdown at the end. Yeah. Not, not, not the mood change of the song, but the big, heavy breakdown at the end. That was Kurt's idea. I mean, he took a song that we already thought was as good as it needed to be and then gave it a really cool ending out of nowhere just because he had this idea and he went with it. And and the thing is, we didn't say, do you have any ideas? How do we fix this song? What do we do? I mean, this was a song that we thought was already as good as it could be. He just had an idea that was good. And so uh, it was a good relationship because we were all on that wavelength. And I do think he did a good job. And uh, as far as the title, to be able to pull this together, because that is a long conversation as well, Godless Prophets is unlike any other Darkest Hour album. Lyrically, it is uh, not written from the perspective of John as a songwriter, but it's more of a story. It's more of John expressing how he feels through a character on the album. And I believe John did this. This is my words, not John's, but I believe he did this because he 
wasn't running out of ways to use the voice of his story in his life. Although if you're a songwriter and you have nine albums and you've picked every tragic moment of your life to write about and you have over a hundred songs, it starts to get harder to find. I can believe that. You know, especially if you've adjusted to hopefully a healthier, happier person along the way because of the influence the music's had in your life. Nobody necessarily wants to read that in the lyrics. So, uh, you know, I believe John did this in a way to just try to do something new and um, also be creative in the world of dark metal imagery. But basically, Godless Prophets and the Migrant Flora can be boiled down to sort of the juxtaposition of, you know, the modern world versus the uncontrollable, unstoppable force of whatever's happening in nature, you know? And this is like very broad because Godless Prophets and the Migrant Flora is also a story about the Godless Prophets who are these techni technically kind of driven uh, explorers that crash land on a planet, you know, and they sort of are forced to interact with the Migrant Flora, which is the only living thing that's sort of migrating around this dead planet, you know? And if you Google Migrant Flora, you'll see it's the idea that like, Plant species can travel, you know, even though they're not, they're separated by water, you know, and that's sort of the inevitability of nature. And so, you know, John kind of went down this path of painting this picture that's maybe a little heady for some people, but I do think if you read the lyrics as standalone Darkest Hour songs about lyrics that relate to your personal life, they mirror. Because the thing is, the way that we wrote the music, it's in a way where it can play a part of this story. But if you don't care about the story, it also has something totally to say about a real world thing. Only it no longer does that in the voice of just John's perspective, the way that Undoing Ruin or Deliver Us or Associated uh, So Secure did. I Again, fucking nailed it. I, I, I remember when that album came out, I... I think I went three straight days of not listening to anything but that album. I was just fucking floored by it. And I, I, it probably is my favorite album of you guys is for whatever the hell that's worth. Nothing. Damn. But, all right. Yeah. It's hard to pick a favorite, you know, for me, because they all start to be um, one. But I also think I'll go through phases, you know, because I'll be forced to have to relearn something in the middle of the catalog or something that I've forgotten about. Right. Like, God damn, that was a good idea. Oh, <laughs> shit. You're never going to have any more good ideas. You know, like, I like that. So, and I also think, I, I mean, I've been one of the main songwriting forces in the band the entire time, but there have been a lot of talented people, and especially other guitar players who have been in the band along the way at different times. And so I also look at sort of, those colors as unique things along the journey so it's like hard to be like you know it's hard to like the uh undoing ruin deliver us era for me over the mark of the judas status nation era so i don't know i encourage people to check out all the albums but i do think maybe production or where you were in your life when a certain album was put out is always going to tie you to that one sure but that's what's kind of special about the live and lockdown record because you start to hear records from all these albums songs from all these albums on one record with one production the band playing it the way we play it and you start to realize that they do kind of fit together as a bigger 
story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. a good point. That's I mean, uh, I, even I mean, ACDC could do this, you know. But there are bands that would have a problem doing a live record of their entire, like spanning their entire catalog of 25 years. You know, I'm not just talking about bands spanning their catalogs. I'm saying you have to find bands that are over 20 years old, do a live set of songs that go through your entire catalog, play them all better than you played them on the album, and then have them all sit together like they all could have been written at the same time. Right. That's seriously weird. I, and then at the same time, be roasted on the internet occasionally for how different albums were. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you, then you pull them all together and say, look, you're wrong. Yeah. Kind of all the- Take that, hater. Yeah. Uh, well. You referenced the, the 25 years thing there, and you and John are the only constant members. What's it been like kind of shuffling through members? And you guys have even gone back and collabor- collaborated, easy for me to say, with past members. That's... uh. That I that comes off to me as awkward, but uh, obviously it, it worked. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Nothing, never. Anytime we've ever collaborated with an ex member, it definitely hasn't been awkward. But um, I do think I do think the thing is, uh, I'm not sure if people who have never been in a touring band trying to do it for a living while you juggle life understand the amount of sacrifice it takes to be in a band. And now you say you want to be in a band and you're okay with missing that Thanksgiving. You're okay with missing that birthday. You're okay with missing your friend's big promotion party or whatever. We're actually not even having any more friends at home because you're just never around. They, they just move on. You're okay with all that stuff. There's so many things, you know, and you start to, Live your life in a way where you you make these small sacrifices to do your art and to live your dream the way you thought it was supposed to be. And after a while, the band can serve a really healthy thing in your life. And then at some point, it can switch. And it can be this weird thing where the band is no longer a healthy force in your life, but it is in the other band members' lives because their lives are in different places. So... Uh, I think for us, having been through this a lot now across 25 years, you start to understand that that happens. You start to be able to let people go a little bit easier because you realize that history has a seriously long arc, you know, and it there are no rules. So like people like uh, Chris Norris, who was on some of our earlier albums, or another guitar player. Uh, who came back and collaborated on Godless Prophets. Uh, you know, it's like he didn't die. He didn't disappear <laughs> from my life, you know, and he does write guitar in a way that sounds like Darkest Hour sometimes. So why not occasionally go down the road of collaborating musically if it's so natural? Yeah. And if it feels right and it feels new and it doesn't feel like a scam or something, you know, and so I just think uh, if you open yourself up to the idea that, like, when you do a band, you can do whatever you want and don't let anyone tell you what to do. And then also try not to buy into the idea of demonizing or blaming people that have different opinions about the way things are going in your band. Just try to be able to, like, let it go, you know, on because it is valuable to have relationships 
with people who are ex-band members if you want to try to have a band that's going to be together for three or four decades. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if Darkest Hour is alive for another two decades, God, whatever the fuck, that'd be crazy. <laughs> but then, then, you know, I don't know. What is the arc of that story? And also, the, 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 the more that the band gets successful, the more those old titles sell and people stream and some get monetized, you know, X fam members, they get checked, you know, and that, those are little reminders that you were part of a bigger story that people still care about. And it's nice to get when you're an artist to get paid for something you should have got paid for a long time ago. And never did, you know. So I think that um, John and I, it, it, it's it just wouldn't be as much fun if we just 100 percent like gripped the wheel and never took any chances. And for us, a big chance letting our guard down and letting other people creatively get their special sauce into the, to the process. So that's what we've tried to get better at. And you'll see the records do get better because we're taking those chances. Now that is a, a much more um, intelligent way of explaining that than basically anything that I could personally respond to. That was that I would never think about it in a in a way as large as the whole arc of something. I would just I, I would think of things in a matter of this pissed me off now, so I'm pissed off, and that's it. You uh you are clearly better suited for these things. Well, no, I live in a world of constant pissed offness. I mean, that's the thing. Like, have you guys ever seen the TV show Pawn Stars? Yeah. You know where they're in Detroit, and these people they all work at this kind of toxic pawn store environment and everybody in the shop is constantly screaming at each other yeah so we mainstreamed this tv show we fucking loved it we watched every episode (laughs) we put that shit on in the background we were writing and i mean it basically became the band culture for a little bit you know uh and so in a lot of ways uh it kind of worked for us and people thought we were crazy because we could flip from dudes that were partying to dudes that were screaming at each other, but it actually made our level of communication open up in a strange way. And we are a group of dudes that are, are a lot of fun to be around, but uh, we have a lot of sayings that we like to just repeat over and over again. And one of them is from Rambo, like <laughs> to survive war, you got to become more. And it, it has a lot to do with the idea that like to survive the obstacles that this band life's been throwing at us you have to be one with knowing that you're always going to be fucked you're always going to (laughs) be screwed in some way it's always going to be hard so just put your fucking helmet on and just do it and just enjoy the fact that it is a struggle you know and so it's 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 definitely a lot darker than it seems like when i get all new agey about like yeah dude (laughs) we'll all be cool in the end it's like yeah and sometimes out of all that struggle and all that bullshit comes something very, very sexy. An MSV1. Ooh. What do you know about I one see, of those? I see what you did there. Well, oh, the MSV1? You ever heard okay, of that? Yeah, first of all, let me tell you about that. <laughs> uh, I have been playing guitar for uh, this entire time as well. I've been lucky to be sponsored by many different uh, companies along the way. Washburn, Jackson. And then ESP, and we've been with ESP for over a decade, and 
you will see if you are a guitar nerd or anyone who likes heavy metal with guitar that there are a lot of artists who are young and into heavy metal that are endorsed by ESD. And there's a reason for that, which is that this company like loves heavy metal and they love heavy metal guitar. And you can tell by the people that endorse their product, including the King himself, Mr. Okay. James Hetfield okay. and Mr. Kirk Hammett. So as a kid, of course, I always associated ESP with high quality heavy metal guitars because of Metallica. But as I got older, I, my, in my playing changed from a single cutaway, like classic style guitar to heavy metal style guitar. Right? And when I had to evolve my playing to kind of in, incorporate solos, because in the beginning we were sort of more of a hardcore punk hybrid and to evolve the sound, you know, we had to incorporate that. And I always loved that as well. So the Floyd Rose became my religion and I was gravitating towards guitars that ESP had until, you know, I couldn't really find that shape I liked until they came out with the Arrow, which is a offset V guitar, which is very much like uh, a, Rhodes V that I had when I was first starting out. If you ever see a photo of me from 1995 in the first Darkest Hour shows, I've got this really fucked up offset V that's covered in hardcore metalcore band like <laughs> stickers. It was, you know, even probably a ticket stub from seeing Pantera's tape to it. It was bad, but also I wish I still had it. And so it was a shock to me that I circled all the way back to like a V. Right. Right. And so uh, they gave me a few V's um, and I took them on tour and I loved them because I could use that offset bottom part to just lock on my leg and really rip the solos. It was 24 frets, always stayed in tune. I was hooked, but I hated like where the knobs were, where the where the switches was <laughs> like I had a few of these guitars and I destroyed them. like I took out everything. I drilled holes in them. I would I would punish ESP by sending photos of what I was doing to them. <laughs> I was moving the knob around on the strap knob. And I've got this one guitar, which you can find photos of me. It's a black V. Um, and I've got a Bill Lawrence uh, pickup in it, just like uh, this whole dime thing I was going for. And I ripped this guitar apart. We broke the guitar. We dropped it. But I love it. It's still one of my favorites. It's the ESP E2V. So I became synonymous with this V, played it everywhere. And they finally said, hey, we're going to make you a custom V. And I said, okay, I got the specs. So we uh, came up with a V that is mahogany, a lot like heavier than the Vs that they have wood-wise. It has a slightly different scale, so it's smaller. You can hit all those long runs. I mean, it feels different because of that scale, even though it's just slightly different. Is it, is uh, it still, has big block inlays? What's that? Is it still twenty four frets with the twenty four and a half? Yeah, of course, twenty four yeah, to three quarter. Twenty four frets. Which is yeah, yeah that's uh, rare. That's uh, rare. I wouldn't necessarily make some of the decisions around the guitar uh, if it was like, what do you think is cool, right? Because to me, I like twenty two fret guitars. I grew up in that classic scale. Um, Floyd Rose is not like everybody's favorite bridge. It's not going to make the guitar more sellable. People are afraid to change the strings on them, whatever. Uh, it's harder to change the tuning of them, so people get weird of that. But this guitar is what you need if you want to rip music that sounds like Darkest Hour, in my opinion. You need 24 frets because yeah. you need both octaves to play all the harmonies. You need that slightly smaller scale because you don't need 
the tightest scale, but you need that little more stretch. <laughs> you need the big block inlays because when you're playing live, you can see where are you at. Yeah. You know, and you want that classic Olympic white finish so that a yellows with age and this guitar looks classic <laughs> and becomes one of its own instead of just your old typical black V that never pops in any photos or anything. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, I'm pretty proud of this and I'm also honored by ESP to be able to like do this and, um, you know, go down the road of making this guitar with me. And, uh, yeah, I hope people pick one up. It is, it's not cheap. It's around 1300 bucks, but this guitar is, you know, everything you would need to be from the bottom level to the top level of tread treading on a six string. I mean, if you, you need a seven string, you need a toast and a bossy eight string or whatever, <laughs> then then you can already rip on this thing. Yeah. So you want to get it anyway, because you know, it's classic. But if you don't and you want to get into shredding guitar, this will take you from A all the way to Z. Can you, you know? teach me to shred, Mike? What's that now? Can you teach me to shred? Well, the problem is that <laughs> it's a lot like quitting a hard substance. Ah. Only you can do that. Ah, okay. Oh. Okay. Like I can give you the tools. Yeah. Only you can make the decision to learn. Twenty years later, I still cannot. That's the nicest right, way yeah. anybody's ever said no. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, this is been... I have to practice saying no to people on a daily basis about that because <laughs> I don't want to teach motherfuckers lessons. I'm still learning. Right. <laughs> Although, hey, let me just say, uh, I do, I do, I did. For a while, mentor teach at a school of rock here in Maryland in between tours. And I, at first, I loathed it because I was like, what am I doing? But I felt like I needed to <laughs> out get outside of being just a rock star. Got a kid. I got to get connected with my community. I'll, you know, I got to get some different income that isn't just solely dependent on the band. You know, these are the things going through my head. So I also have a college degree in social work, which I never do anything with. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go work over here part-time, mentor these kids, and teach them. And, of course, I got sucked into a black hole because I fell in love with all the kids and whatever. <laughs> and, and and I didn't really love teaching, and I and I don't do it now, and I won't go back to it because now I'm just so busy with the band. And it was emotionally – I will say this, teachers are amazing. It's emotionally draining to the point where I can't go back to it because it takes too much of my creative energy away from – anything else I want to do. But I did learn that that teaching can be that avenue to breaking a learning plateau that you can't get through. Yeah. So even if you don't think you're the world's best teacher, there is someone that can benefit from your experience and letting your your guard down enough to try to teach someone something will automatically teach you more in a way that you didn't think was possible. So I do I do have one or two uh Zoom students that i do teach but they are all under the age of 10 <laughs> and um, better than and i me. like i like to work with younger kids you know what i mean and, and and there's a lot of uh my friends that i trade with like ideas with i've had really good actual players approach me about lessons but what I, what I like to do in that um uh moment is just actually actually just communicate more with them like a friend because they don't necessarily need lessons. They need help understanding where's the next place to look. And I'd rather just help people along that way. All right. So 
I guess that's a good segue to get into the dumb shit to right. get you on your on your way here. We got two quick segments that we do. Um, I'll 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 be hosting the rapid fire segment of this, which is I'll give you uh, two um, choices. Pick the one that better suits you. Clint will be the dick in the background telling you right or wrong. Um, <laughs> and are you ready? You got you got you got the rules. You ready to go? Um, I can freestyle this. Hit. Okay. All right. So coffee or tea? Definitely coffee. Drinking it right now. All right. Toilet paper, under or over? Uh, just happy that it's there. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> That's a answer. Good answer yeah. Uh, Beatles or the Stones? Definitely Stones. My guy. Simpson or Family Guy? Oh fuck, Simpson. But Family Guy's badass. Also, shout out, uh, shout out to Rick and Morty. Yes, there you yeah, go. Special, yeah. Um, gummy bears or gummy worms? Mm, I stay away from both, man. That shit is bad. Oh, also, just... I'm gonna go with gummy bears if there's THC in them. There you go. Way to save it. Uh, okay, this one is believe it on already on here. Not just for you, but uh, James Hammett or James Hetfield or just ask the questions that's written right. Hammett or Hetfield? <laughs> You got to pick one. Are you there? Oh, oh fuck. We, th- I don't know what's going on with the audio. Okay, sorry. Do that again. Hatfield, man. <laughs> there it is. All right. Uh, beer or liquor? Both. <laughs> Marvel or DC? Uh, Eastman and Leonard. <laughs> got me. And- you guys don't know Ninja Turtles? Oh, well, yeah, oh okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, I thought I was talking to some comics, man. No. Man, whatever. No. <laughs> Woods or the ocean? Ocean. God damn it. Fall or Fuck spring? The Fuck the woods. Fall or spring? Uh, spring. Uh, not so passionate about that. Okay, okay. Here we go. Sausage patties or sausage links? Vegetarian option. Ah, oh. Yeah, we've had, we get that one a lot. We get that answer. We got th- we get that one a lot more than I would think. Yeah. I mean, I'll take a skirt steak. I'm not vegetarian, <laughs> but I'm not into sausage. That shit fucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mike, this has been insanely enlightening and a lot of fun. We really appreciate you taking time on your Sunday to shoot the shit with us. We are going to get you out of here on the tropiest of all the tropey questions. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this asked before, but now we are going to ask you. Mike, you get sent to an island. You get to take one album with you. What's it going to be? I think of all. Oh man, that's fucking tough. Uh, well, the thing is, I'm just gonna say the first album that popped in my head, like literally the first album that you said. I'm just gonna say, okay, uh, Van Halen, Women and Children first. There you go. That's a fucking. I don't good know one. why, but that's sort of like shit. All right, I'm going. I got that record. That's a fucking good one. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Again, Mike, thanks again. Uh, we are looking forward to any and everything Darkest Hour puts out, just like we always have. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best, man. Cheers, man. Well, thanks for, for taking time to spread the word about uh, Darkest Hour and our Patreon and any motherfuckers who made it to the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks for your support and listening this far. High five from all of us. All right. Have a good one, man. Yep. And you're on, Clint. And I'm on, Clint. Wait, I am Clint. Um, yeah. That was uh, just as much fun and uh, twice as enlightening as I could have fucking possibly hoped for a band that I've been listening to as long as I've been listening to Darkest Hour. 
And, uh, I mean, there's not, there's not a shit ton to say after that. Uh, so instead of saying a bunch of stupid stuff, we're going to play you what is my personal favorite Darkest Hour song. And I mean that quite literally. I know what literally means. Here comes, that in a while. Uh, welcome back. Here comes Beneath It Sleeps. this show get any more metal than that it's uh <laughs> the, i any other day the answer would be no but today we have new fucking horndle and if you don't know now you know we are i i would be willing to fight anybody that says that they're bigger horndle fans than we are fucking bring it on sweden i will take you sweden. 
Horndle are our guys, uh, a prosthetic band that we cannot get a fuck enough of. And they have a new album coming out and like April or something, something like that. Sure. Um, our ears are here to tell you that it is fucking badass. Picked up exactly where they left. Oh, man. So, yeah. And moved forward just enough that it's not the same album. Yeah. It is fucking great. Damn it, it is good. Here is the first song they have released off of it. Uh, again, with the uh, Swedish, right? I think so. Something like that. We're probably pronouncing this wrong, is what I'm getting around to saying. Rossum. Rossum is the song that we're about to do.
all the medals we have. That is it. We do have an undo or an undo, an un, an undo, uh, un, overdue, overdue. Shout out to our boy David. Hi, David. David is in our band Nova Grave, and I was I was not aware that he was also a little bit part of Sex Bat because I had asked him to submit a bunch of weird quotes and words and sentences, and Charles, the one in charge of the sentences, included them, and I wasn't aware. And when we had the whole Sex Bat um, episode. I didn't give him a shout-out. Shame on you. So, happy shout-out day to David, who is also <laughs> the vocals and keys in Novagrave, which more on that project coming yes, up eventually. Yes, you have not heard that yet, but yeah. you just might sometime soon. And we're on social media. And we're on all of the social medias, as long as all of the social medias are Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again to Mike of Darkest Hour. Their song, Those Who Survived, is playing in the background again, and it is just as awesome as it was earlier. Uh, thanks to Brimminghorn continually for being fucking awesome and making delicious mead. Thanks to Pig Hog Cables. Uh, review us on iTunes if this is where you're listening or if you can get to it and want to. Hell, just do it. Send us some music by email. The email is eostupidity at gmail.com. Preferably stuff that could be played or found on streaming sites or something so that we can direct people toward the tune. And... Uh, I think is that. I gotta edit that out. That's not a good sound. What's that, what's that a good sound? Well, now you gotta edit that out. Is there anything else, Brian? That's all. Bye.